welcome to the Food for Thought podcast. I'm your host, Erin Hallstrom. When we hear about entrepreneurs and startups in the food and beverage industry, the category that often gets lost in the shuffle is one that you could say has the most spirited approach to new product development. Here to talk about the untapped market for advising and mentoring the independent brand owners and entrepreneurs in the wine, beer, and spirits category is Taylor Foxman creator of the Industry Collective. Launched in 2020, the Industry Collective takes the wisdom of numerous experts around the globe in the beer, wine, and spirits category and uses it to advise entrepreneurs, startups, and others on how to make the biggest splash into the market. Throughout the episode, Taylor walks us through why organizations like the Industry Collective are needed in the wine, beer, and spirits category, as well as how she's turning the collective into the ultimate resource for the entire beverage industry. Raise a glass and enjoy this week's episode. Taylor, welcome to the Food for Thought podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Uh, really looking forward to talking to you and what you do for the beverage industry. We, we slash I tend to talk to so many people that are within the like snack or baby food or strictly food that it is a treat to get to talk to someone <laughs> who's within strictly the beverage industry. So. Um, our listeners who may be in the strictly beverage industry, I hope will appreciate and enjoy this even more. I want to have our audience get to know you and what you do a little bit more. So I want to start off by talking about what the industry collective is. Can you explain it in a little more detail? Absolutely. And thank you. Thank you again for the opportunity, Erin. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Um, yeah, the Industry Collective is comprised of, you know, a series of experts all around the world, and uh, we also have about 15 founders and CEOs that we work with across uh, the wine, beer, and spirit space, uh, primarily fast-growing, small to mid-size uh, beverage brands. And so the inception for the business really came from my, my background, um, I've worked since I was in college for about 70 or 80 at this point, you know, global wine, beer, and spirit brands ranging from, you know, really iconic companies from Boston Beer Company to Absolute to Jameson uh, to Jägermeister, which was a fun, fun, fun brand to work on, um, and saw an interesting opportunity area, which was, you know, you have about six to 7,000 approximately independent wine and spirit brands here in, in the U.S., not even really factoring in beer at this point. And where I saw an opportunity was in and around resources for these founders. You know, up until the past year and a half, two years, and Aaron, we talked about this just a little bit during our introductory call, but there weren't as many resources available for independent brands in the beverage space. When you think about, you know, investments, there were only really a handful of bigger companies that would acquire, partially acquire your brand, um, which does come at a cost, a literal, a metaphorical cost. Uh, you know, in terms of distribution, 
wider not to you know bigger conversation to have but there are uh, there's a system in place called the three tier system making it difficult for spirit brands to sell to their own directly to their own consumers and then when it comes to other resources I'm kind of the jack of all trades on that front um, a lot of these entrepreneurs in this space don't necessarily come from beverage alcohol they are entrepreneurs that like you say on Shark, they say on Shark Tank, found found a problem and try to create a solution for it. And this industry is just unbelievably complex. So uh, where I come in is I serve as you know this advisor to all of these different founders and CEOs, and uh, so does the rest of my company. And you know we really help them across the board when it comes to counsel, whether it's you know strategy around how to go to market and 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 sell our you know, sell products uh, that's what we call go to market whether it's you know expansion of a product portfolio uh, development of a thought leadership program founders what what do they stand for who are they um, you know and then and you know also developing their story because a lot of times even though you would assume that many years into the development of a, of a company that they have that figured out most don't yet so I really kind of come in and plug and play me and my team services based on the needs of the company that, quite frankly, that resource really didn't exist prior. I have so many questions for you <laughs> based on that introduction, um, which was so rich with information. So um, before we dig in, or I guess as part of the digging in, can you tell me a little bit more about your background? Um, maybe talk about how you arrived at where you're at now. Absolutely. So I'm one of those people that, you know, majored in communications, interned for a vodka company, and have stayed in my lane. I've been fortunate enough, though, however, to, um, you know, over the years be able to work with such incredible brands work with such incredible teams, and really have honestly been on all sides of the alcohol spectrum. Um, I'm looking up at my desk, and there's a, a photo of a racehorse. The racehorse is in Vigors, and it was uh, from a race back in the 60s or 70s, and my mom loved horse racing, and she's always compared me to this horse because uh, I keep my blinders on. And um, I, I, I always kind of continue to go back to that. You know, I, I realized in college that there was an opportunity to, to work in communications in beverage and, you know, postponed a master's. I was supposed to go to USC at Annenberg School of Communications at USC in California right after college and got an opportunity right off the bat to work for, you know, Glenn Livid and Jameson and Redbreast and all these amazing brands, uh, what we call brown spirit. Um, you know, whiskeys and, and the like. And I just couldn't, I continued to not believe that I could work in a category like that and get paid. And so postponed that master's, had never, I've never subsequently gone back, but have found such joy in working in this sector in really all facets. I started out my career packing boxes of whiskey at, for a PR firm. Um, and I don't know if I've ever shared this story, but my, you know, I was told at the time to pack boxes, not reach out to people, you know, on the editorial side. And I happened to reach out to, you know, the editor-in-chief of Men's Health at the time. And I was 21 years old. And I just said, I really love what you're doing, and I would love to get together. And it kind of just started this, you know, this, this runway for me, um, you know, which even though I stayed in my lane, has really expanded, right, um, over the years. But 
I started, you know, packing boxes and making relationships and have not stopped. I mean, I've stopped packing boxes, but I have not stopped with the relationships. And, you know, over the years, I have worked for, you know, various PR agencies, and I switched over and, you know, evolved my work as head of communications for Pernod Ricard, um, you know, running, you know, the, the second largest global wine and spirit company in the world, um, you know, and now have my own entrepreneurial endeavor in spirits. And so I, I, I still feel like I'm that racehorse, but I feel like I've been granted the opportunity to, you know, evolve my skill sets, mature my, you know, I don't know, my professionalism, but be able to still stay in that metaphorical lane and really over the years just work to become, if someone's looking for a resource, you know, in the space, I, I hope that, you know, I'm someone that is considered at this point, which I think I am. I want to mm-hmm. go back to a data point you brought up because this number seems shocking to me. Did you say that there were six to 7,000 independent uh, brands when it came to like wine, spirits, um, beer within – did I get that right? Six to seven thousand? <laughs> uh, six, six to seven. Okay. Six to seven thousand. Okay. And, All uh, right. That's in wine, yeah, and that's in wine and spirits. The beer sector, I'm assuming, is, is its own beast. I, I don't know offhand exactly how many I can, I can gather. And based on my time working for Boston Beer, I know that that is a whole other conversation in of itself. Um, but no, 627 six, is approximately what I've been told uh, most recently by one of the bigger organizations in the space. That is a lot. I love what you're doing on helping them with the resources because that's a lot of brands and that's a lot mm-hmm. of people. I know we on food processing cover, we've covered a lot of like the food entrepreneurs, the, the, you know, not the Kickstarters, but I guess in some way the Kickstarters, the, the companies that, you know, you had someone who uh, knew a guy who had the lab know-how, <laughs> cellular biology, and look at that. They've created a, a lab-grown meat company or what have you, but it's really the person with the entrepreneurial you know, know-how that's what really helped right. get it up off the ground. Um, right. So I, and I know from our listeners, from our readers, that it's those resources that are so hard to come by and that so much appreciated um, mm-hmm. because, yeah, it's, you may be a great mixologist, you may be a great entrepreneur creating companies, but, you know, unless you have the perfect, you know, cross of you've done both, you're a great mixologist who has launched a really uh, <laughs> impressive um, right. Wine or spirit company, uh, you're needing resources. So I think it's great. Um, so I know we kind of talked about this a little bit, but can you tell a little more? Like the idea, um, and again, kind of speaking to the resources, the idea of coming up with the industry collective, because I know you've been in, you've you know, been in the the spirits, the beverage space for your entire career now. Mm-hmm. But where else can you speak more to like where did the idea what what was your light bulb moment? Like I really just enough is enough. I need to create this. 
<laughs> it's quite the opposite. So I, I have also a full-time job um, in cannabis. So, uh, you know, there's never really a right time per se. Um, you know, uh, we have a fa- you know, family sickness and COVID. And so definitely not the right time. There was no like, you know, oh, I think this is a good, good moment in time. I think that's what they say about having children from what I'm told too. Um, with that being said, you know, I actually, the, funny enough, so the original model for this was a little bit different uh, than, than the current model, and, and, and now it's kind of a hybrid. So the original concept was actually to take um, all of these experts that I've worked with over the last decade, um, from bartenders to mixologists to sommeliers, and actually connect them to brands where the original idea was was that, you know, you have a lot of these big companies that in my opinion, don't really necessarily always, you know, look at third-party experts to maybe look at something a little bit differently or to challenge them or, you know, even know where to go to find experts. You know, like thinking about that. Where do we go to find a, a sommelier, a bartender? There's no website. There's nowhere to go. Right. So right. I thought, can I cre- Right. So that was the first idea was I know all these people. I highly admire them. Can I create kind of like a one-stop shop where Mm -hmm. brands would reach out and say, I'm looking to create a sustainability program. Who do you got? Right. And then I'd say, so funny you mention it. And then I'd bring in like, you know, one of the top founders of one of the most sustainable beverage brands in the world um, based in London. So that was the original idea, and, um, you know, how it kind of unfolded so far was, you know, me being recommended, quite frankly, to all of the business so far. And it was kind of, you know, it was all word of mouth where, you know, I started working and, you know, advising one group, and then, you know, they said you should really get in touch with the collective because, you know, you need similar resources, and they needed similar resources, and that that was really it. And so um, where we're at now is we have this – you know, array of different, you know, companies that we work with, all of which, as I mentioned, are fast-growing brands across wine, beer, and spirits. Um, and, and really, the model still the same in the sense that we plug and play, you know, the experts or the people working on the business based on the needs that they have. I, I look at it from their perspective. So I sit down usually with the founders and understand where they're at. What are their goals? Are they looking to raise more capital? Do they want to get sold? A lot of brands do. No problem with that. Are they looking to create, you know, more product and buy pot stills? Like, where are they at, right? And then understand, okay, well, based on the services that we offer and the people we have on board, here's how we can help work with you. And I will say that one of the interesting facets of it is that I do service, we, we service people actually on a rolling basis. And, and, and the model works very well because I started this business amidst covid Still, still, still is COVID. There is still COVID going on, and I'm not laughing. I'm not trying to be whatever. I'm, I'm it, at this point. You kind of have to have some levity to all of this. But um, why I offered that for these entrepreneurs? So what I mean by rolling is, as opposed to bringing in, as I said, all of these resources prior, we will plug and play the right experts, and we will help provide them the resources that whether they they don't want to allocate necessarily all the money and the funds to or they can't, or they don't know where to go, we can provide that for them, right? Um, so that kind of feeds into what entrepreneurs are looking for. Like, I don't need to find all these people or spend all this money. I can kind of get all of our resources in one stop shop. 
The other facet of it is a lot of times during COVID, you know, you don't necessarily want to shackle yourself to a two-year contract with, you know, all these different vendors. You really want to have a partner that is nimble and flexible and gets it. And so I've always been of the mind frame, look, let's work together and keep it rolling, not only because I know that as an entrepreneur, every hour of every day things change for you, you're going to need a pivot, like I need a pivot. So why do we need to hold ourselves to those traditional confines when right now there are no rules anymore? Um, and the other is I can guarantee that given that you're a startup, your needs will change. They may change tonight or tomorrow. So again, why shackle ourselves to a scope of work that's so specific for two years when we can provide you with the right experts and the right resources on a rolling basis? You keep talking about resources. My next question for you is, are the resources people? I mean, is it like, hey, here's a calculator I can use? Is it a PDF? One of the podcasts we recorded um, earlier this year talked about how PepsiCo works with companies to like, you want to like the Stacy's Rise project and hey, you want to kickstart or you want to help build your, you came up with a great idea, female in the food business, and we're going to help you take it from idea to execution to getting it on the shelves. And the biggest thing that they do is they pair mentors. And I use that as kind of like, is that what the resources are for this? Is it like a, a mentorship pairing? Are there actual like, hard draft downloadable resources is it people <laughs> is it consulting thank you no one's asked me this before so it's a really good uh, trial by fire to answer your question <laughs> um no no i mean i can definitively say i don't even have a printer um i have no office so i can't provide any type of tangible resources of that like um no that's a very Good question. No, I mean, so not like, you know, in theory, are we giving them pot stills or are we handing them, you know, tools and actual like things to use to help build their brand? And no, um, it, it's, it's expertise across okay. the board. So, so <laughs> expertise across everything, no. And so that's, that's again, that's kind of why this model is, you know, in my mind and from what we've heard so far, extremely unique. I think also, um, we really are not trying to peg ourselves as a vendor. We're the anti-vendor of record. Uh, we really integrate ourselves into these businesses. You know, we get email addresses with these companies. We're on, you know, happy hour, virtual happy hours with, with these teams. I mean, we are really integrated. And I think there is some beauty in working with startups now having been, you know, on the big brand side, as I said, because they're, you know, they're very fluid, you know, like if they're, and they're, they're totally open to new ideas where I, I don't, I'm not necessarily saying that big brands aren't innovative or nimble. They are, but there are always so many more layers, you know what I mean, by default. And what I mm -hmm. think is really cool, really cool about all this is that you have myself, you have my team, you have all these experts that can look in things and poke holes and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like, did you even think about X, Y, Z? And, you know, whether or not they have the ability to do that time-wise, budget-wise is another, yeah. another story. But just, just being able to be this kind of third-party expert fluid company that, like, we don't even have, like, we've never announced we have launched. We haven't done any marketing, no VR, no, no social media. Nothing. Yeah. I mean, social media – you know, it's like, I mean, we have an Instagram, sorry, and a website, so let me, let me back up. But in the <laughs> sense great of, website, in the, 
Well, thank you. I did not, could not, did not do that myself. But my husband actually helped with that. But um, one of the things is like, you know, I think there is that element of kind of the beauty of being underground and not really having to necessarily like define what we are. Because I think the future of a lot of these startups really needs to be fluid. Like, you know, like, whether it's the people they work with or the ideas and where they come from. And, and I'll stop nerding out in a minute, but you're seeing this shift. And, Aaron, we talked about this when we initially connected, where you have so many of these brands that would have never, ever, ever been able to even get the, uh, a remote share of voice, share of conversation, visibility on social, funding. And this is not just due to me. This is what I said earlier, which is there are – resources. There's financial resources. There are, you know, re- advisory like us. There are um, distribution routes. There's just so much more there that what's stopping these people from being able to go head-to-head with so many other companies that up until this moment in time, was that even a possibility? And I'm not sure. Right. So really quick, you're t- um, while we're still on the topic of financial resor- resources, um, something that's jumping out to me in my head is, do you help with folks with uh, like venture capital, uh, set them up, or like if there's like pitch fests going on, do you help in that capacity of like, um, or do your experts kind of set them up on like, all right, you're going to pitch your, you're going to pitch your product, or you're going to pitch your brand? Is that a realm of expertise? that your experts help with? Yeah, I mean, we absolutely. So we have, you know, some really strong relationships with, you know, different food and beverage uh, VC firms just given, you know, given our line of work. And so um, less about, I mean, yes, we also help, you know, if there are companies that are looking to raise funds, we help them with the strategy for that, um, you know, and also if there are strategic introductions that we could potentially make, you know, we help support them there. But, I'm actually way more focused on what I call like the broader expertise around relationship management. I have mm-hmm. been a huge proponent of relationship management from, as I said, from you know my younger years through now. And I think in investment too, even though I'm not actively in that space, falls very much in line with how I look at all of my strategy, which is looking at your stakeholders and really, really first understanding like their viewpoint whether it's current investors in a company, potential investors, employees, potential employees, media, whoever it is, taking your staff, like yourself out of the equation. Forget about like, no offense, like a pitch deck. I mean, pitch decks matter. But what do these people need from you, founder of wine brand X, for them to even want to open your email? Like what about you is different? And spend the time to try to figure that out before you refine your calibre size 10 font. I mean, you know, so like, yes, we provide more of the tactical support in if they're, you know, developing a strategy like that, absolutely our team does that. But where, you know, me personally, where I come in, you know, at times is, is, is helping some of these people, especially when they're founders and companies that, you know, things are running a million miles a minute and, you know, they're trying to manage not going under and paying for this and doing this, is to try to take a step back and really think about that's, you know, something like investment is, is we, and we can talk about it as much as you want, but, you know, you're asking people to, to put, you know, faith in what you're doing financially, but mm-hmm. also, you know, their, their reputation. So how do you go about that in a way that feels authentic? And in my 
viewpoint, it is not by immediately pitching a deck. It's like probably you get pitched all the time, brands and people that want what you are offering. In their case, mm-hmm. they're offering money. In your case, you're offering visibility, right? So mm-hmm. through mm-hmm. all that you do, through pocket. So <laughs> going into it with a different viewpoint has always been how I recommend people do things. Because if you go into a relationship where you genuinely are like, look, Aaron, I really love what you're doing. I do. I love what you're doing. And, you know, we, we get to know each other. It's, a, it's an entirely different relationship. And I think both benefit better when it's authentic and it's genuine. So I, I think the same way about investments. I think if people are looking to get investments from people, again, I'm not speaking on behalf of an authority as someone in that space, but I look at it as that is a, a stakeholder that is constantly being reached out to by people. How can you differentiate yourself? And in my opinion, it is being authentic and being genuine and not just reaching out to people when you need something. And in that case, it's money. Right. Totally agree. So <laughs> uh, we, we could talk for hours. We know this um, in our previous conversations. I think we have talked for hours. But mm-hmm. I know our podcast listeners um, do not have all the hours in the world. So I'm going to wrap up with this one last question. And hey, there's a... Uh, aspiring or a mixologist with an idea um, wants to get in touch or someone with beverage industry expertise that wants to lend their expertise, how could they get in touch and be a part of the industry collective? Yeah, uh, easy enough. It's just uh, you can email me at taylor at theindustrycollective.org. Um, or just go on uh, theindustrycollective.org online. And we would love to connect with you, whether you're um, a brand or you're an expert. We are always looking for more strong brain power aboard. Thank you for being on the Food for Thought podcast. Thank you, Erin. This has been great. I really, really appreciate it. everyone listening to the Food for Thought podcast today, thank you for tuning in. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and just about everywhere you can listen to a podcast. Be sure to tune in next time as we talk more about the stories behind the headlines of the food and beverage industry. Take care. Have a great day.